Welcome back, guys, to the Dump Off Podcast. Uh, we got KB here. We got Dilly, Taryn, G, and Chino. Um, a lot to get to this weekend. We had a lot of things going on. We had the Euro final, the NBA finals, um, UFC 264, and um, MLB wrapping up its first half of the season. Um, a lot to get to, but let's start with the NBA finals, game three. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks just took game three over the Phoenix Suns in Milwaukee um, by, by a big margin, 20 points. Um, quick reactions. I want to start with you, Taryn, as the um, Bucks fan in the room. Um, what are your thoughts about game three and how, did, how it went? Oh, feels good, baby. Bucks in six. Um, but in, in all honesty, it felt kind of like some of these games should have gone. I mean, Giannis got at least a little bit of help. You know, Drew Holiday had a good game. We got some, some solid performances from our bench players. It's not like anyone else absolutely popped off. But all we needed, the difference is just Giannis getting a tiny bit of help and not everyone else on the damn roster being a detriment to our our prospects in the game and we win by 20. So like that's that's part of the reason why it's you could still have some belief um in the Bucks for the series. And I mean, it's tough. This is a great Suns team. It's going to be hard to win back-to-back games even at home. Um especially you just you never know when Drew or Chris or someone's going to pull the disappearing act yet again. But no series is over until uh until you lose a game at home. So um that 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 was my thoughts any of you guys have some uh takeaways um like you said i think it helped out a lot that they even got like a little bit of help um they had a combined the backcourt this week had a combined for 29 points um which isn't even like that's not even crazy right like either of these guys could drop 29 in a night each if they wanted to um but the the bigger part was uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul. They didn't have a great night, which in the first two games, they actually broke uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson's record for the most combined points out of a backcourt. They had 113, so it was like the most combined points in the first two games in NBA uh, Finals history. Um, and if you kind of look at the first two games, it was everything was going the Suns' way and nothing was going the Bucks' way besides Giannis. Giannis. Um, He's been the only consistent factor in all three games. Um, you ha- you The thing with the Bucks is the thing that got them here was their three-point game and their defense. And in the first two games, they weren't playing great defense, and the three-point game wasn't falling. So eventually, things are going to go back to normal. They're going to hit a few more threes. They're going to step up their defense. I think a bigger uh, factor for them is that Bobby Portis Jr. actually got more playing time. He had 11 points and eight boards, but... He also brings like a different energy when he's on the court. He hypes everybody up. It's the same thing with PJ Tucker. Like I said, how he's kind of like a dog. He's out there to be in everyone's grill and everyone's face. Um, even they were up like 25 points at one point, and Drew Holiday was still playing full court defense on Chris Paul, just kind of getting that like extra agitation uh, towards them. It was just, it was definitely a Milwaukee game. Like this is the Milwaukee Bucks you want to see. Um, they look way more comfortable in their element when guys are helping out. Giannis doesn't have to shoulder the entire load. 
And if they keep playing like this, the home games aren't what I'm afraid of for the Bucks. It's on the road in Phoenix. It's can these guys show up on the road? Because you're going to have to steal at least one game on the road if you want to actually take it all the way. But I was a lot more impressed with this game. Interesting that um, towards the fourth quarter, they like half pulled their starters. Like Devin Booker didn't touch the court in the fourth quarter, which was interesting because I think they were down 19 going in the fourth, which is still, when you have a whole quarter, 19 points, you can swing that. You can still come back. I know he was having a bad shooting performance, but you can still, if you're Devin Booker, and how many times have we seen the Suns where they just go on like a 9-0 run and three possessions? Like it's nothing. So I was kind of interested in how they pulled him early, but they didn't pull Chris Paul, which is interesting, the older guy that's coming off an injury. Maybe he didn't want to sit. It could be just Chris Paul not wanting to sit, but... I thought that was interesting, something to look out for. Yeah, um, I mean, with with the Suns, you, you have to wonder how much of an effect that DeAndre Aiden had. Getting in foul trouble, he wasn't playing uh, too many minutes out there. Um, and, you know, that post-presence that the Suns have dominated with in games one and two, it just wasn't there. So um, Giannis, basically, he, he, he took a stance, and he, he, he dominated the paint, he got to the line, and he made a a very good amount of his free throws, which, um, you know, when he's doing that, he's, he's pretty much unstoppable. So um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what Monty Williams does in terms of adjustments. Um, I do agree somewhat with, um, you know, pulling, pulling Devin Booker and kind of, kind of folding your, your hand a bit at the end of game three, it, it saves some sort of strategic, momentum the Suns can have going into game four. Um, if if they go into game three, that fourth quarter game three and Devin Booker's plan and they get blown out by another 10, 15 points, you have to wonder if, you know, the Suns are, will have the, the psyche, the momentum to take a game in Milwaukee and, and bring the series back to Phoenix with a 3-1 lead. So I think it was smart move by Monty Williams there. We'll see if Devin Booker's actually hurt. He did not have a great game at all. And defensively, I think they need to make some adjustments because Giannis is just eating them up right now. Um, the pick and roll switch that they're having, they're switching on everything, and Giannis just has a mismatch with with pretty much everyone on the team. Uh, so we'll see what Monty Williams stirs up, but it should be an interesting game four. Like Terrence said, the series doesn't start until someone takes a game at home. So everyone's holding serve right now. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's also like going back to some of the things we talked about in the last episode, the Bucks are a team that take some time to figure out how to deal with teams. Down 2-0 in the net series, lost the first game to the Hawks. It's it's something that we've seen and I almost after seeing this performance tonight, I am kind of thinking that it's important for the Suns to at least, like, not get blown out again. And like you said, don't have that sort of... Don't let us come back into Phoenix after blowing you out twice in a row because now we're starting to learn some, some stuff. Giannis is playing out of his fucking mind. The dude absolutely wants it. And now that they've kind of figured that out, how do you... How do you... What do you do? Because you're your guy to the Giannis stopper is DeAndre Ayton, and now he's had, Giannis has had 40 points in back-to-back games, um, and the only way to stop him is following him, and like you said, he was in foul trouble early. So it's going to be tough to f- for for them to figure out how to deal with him. 
Uh, and then, you know, as long as some of the Bucks' other role players can at least be serviceable, I think it's going to be a uh, hell of a series. Right, the, right. Um, go ahead, Dilly. The only game Giannis hasn't pulled out in is when he got hurt. That's the only game that he hasn't done well in. It's great. Like you said, I think he's he's him and Shaq are the only two players in NBA history to have back to back 40 point and 10 rebound games in the finals. That's pretty good company to be. I mean, we were watching the game and how many times did we see graphics of him being compared to doing the same stuff LeBron was doing that Kobe was doing that Jordan was doing like this is good company to be in. And I mean, this may be what it takes. Giannis may have to drop 40, 45, 44 every night. But if he ends up getting up 40, 14, and 8 every single night, that's got to be one of the greatest playoff performances by a player in the NBA Finals. It just has to be. Yeah. Out of his mind. Yeah. Out of his mind doing his thing. I think he's more than capable of going out there and getting 40 and 15. But like Terrence said, it's about it's about the supporting cast. Like Drew Holiday. 21 and 9 today, shot 50% from three. It was actually a plus 22 best on the team. So when Drew Holiday is giving you those kind of numbers, it takes a little, at least a little bit of pressure off Giannis to go out and do everything. Like he just needs that little bit of help. And that's what they were missing in the first two games. And they got it game three and see if he gets it game four and on in the series. And if they can do that, I think they're in a good spot. Hopefully, they can um, get Middleton going. Like, he played well today. It's not, like, perfect Chris Middleton game, but he did better than he did previously. But I still think he's got more in him that would go a long way in the series for the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. What do you guys think going forward? If you had to say now, after seeing that rest of the series, how does it play out? Play out? Who wins and in how many games? I still feel like the Bucks are gonna take the next game. Um, there with this momentum going on, Giannis playing out of his mind. It really all depends on the supporting cast, like we've been mentioning over and over again. Finally, Holiday doing some twenty-one points. Milton with eighteen today. So at least Giannis had some help today, and they're still. You see, you see what they did. I still feel like they're gonna take the next game, and from there, Suns about to put in work. If you ask me game two, I think the Suns win in five. If if you ask me after this game, I don't know, man. Like like I said, I they probably win the next game, but game five is going to be who wins, in my opinion. Because yep. if they go to Phoenix and they look like the same Bucks team in game one and two, it, the Suns are going to win. But if they, if they win three in a row and it's 3-2, it's going to be interesting. I still think the Suns pull it out. As of right now, because I've seen two better, I've seen two good Suns performances and one good Bucks performance. Um, I, I said Suns and six to start, but this could be a seven game series. It, it, but like I said, man, game five on the road, can the Bucks do it? Um, fuck you, Terrence. Suns and five, baby. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I. I don't think DeAndre Ayton's going to get in foul trouble again next game. I think Chris Paul is too much of a veteran to let this team suffer that much defensively. Um, they're going to make adjustments. Monty Williams is a good coach. I think they steal game four. And after that, the Bucks, their hearts are going to be ripped out. And they're going to end it in Phoenix. Game five. New NBA champions. Chris Paul, baby. Wow. 
Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I um man, it's tough. It's really close. I think it goes seven. Um and I think I think Milwaukee pulls it out and they win in seven. I the difference is uh, I don't see them having that bad of a struggle fest from their role players, all of them at the same time at least, again in one game. Because if one of them has a bad night, that's fine. It's just they can't all it can't all come at this in the same game. You know what I mean? And I think Giannis is clearly healthy. There's two two days between each game, so even though he's backpacking the team and just <laughs> putting in work. There'll be plenty rested each game. I could see him averaging 35 and 12 the rest of the series. I think he's the best player on the floor, and that's going to be the difference. G? I, after, I don't know. I'm going to go Bucks in six. Yeah, I think Bucks they in four six, straight. baby. Yes, sir. at that tattoo. I don't <laughs> know, man. I just... They looked, um, the numbers just looked too good. I don't think they were as bad as they were the first two games. And like Dilly said, game five is going to be huge. I think the Bucks can pull out game five and go back home, game six, and take home the NBA championship. And that's how that's how I see it playing out. I mean, listen, each game has been a double-digit game. There's going to be one game here that's going to be close. I think it's going to be next game. It's going to come down to one possession, and who do I want the ball? Where do I want the ball? Who do I want it? Do I want it with Giannis? Is he going to make a shot? I don't think so. Devin Booker and Chris Paul, they're made for these moments. This is it. Hmm. Phoenix, baby. Pat Connington, game-winning three next game. Calling it. Yeah, god damn it. That. Also, like, Shady, game two, I, I felt like the Bucks were dominated. They only lost by 10. And the whole team was absolute just dog shit outside Giannis. I know he still dropped 42, and that's a big reason why they only lost by 10. But, like, every single thing had to go Phoenix's way. Even they're at home. Um, they were getting more of the calls. They had a legendary performance from the three-point line, and every player on the Bucks pretty much just didn't show up except Giannis, and they still only managed to win by 10. I... I I really like uh the, the Suns are a great team, which is why I think it goes seven, but I like Milwaukee's chances. Anyone else got anything to say about this before we move on? I'm all good. Alrighty. Well, we talked about my team that just played today. Gee, let's go. Italy, Euro oh. champs. Tell me about it. Let's go. Well, that was a roller coaster of a game. Started off instantly. England scored, and I was like, "Oh no, here we go!" And then, but after that goal, Italy basically dominated the whole game. They had over sixty percent possession. They had nineteen shot attempts to England six. They just they played really well, and then the penalties was, I believe, where Southgate messed it up for the for England. You bring on. You bring on two guys that didn't haven't barely played the whole tournament. They didn't touch the ball at all in extra time, and you have them take back-to-back penalties. They both miss. 
And usually your fifth taker is supposed to be your best taker. They send up a 19-year-old, little experience, little international experience, little club experience, and he missed. It, I think Southgate pretty much messed up the game for England at the end. Uh, but who yeah. cares? Because go Italy. There you go. I'm happy for you, G. Um, Thank you. And you know, I I do think England, they had a game plan going in. You saw with the lineup they that they put out there that they they were content with having this being low scoring. They took out Saka for uh, Kieran Trippier to basically have five five defensive players and then uh, the two holding midfielders with uh, Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips. So they were content with parking the bus basically. And if you're England, you had basically a dream start where you got the goal that you needed to basically win the game and all you had to do was was hold the line here but with Italy they're too talented their midfield is too talented they controlled possession through the whole game Jorginho and Verratti they had their way with the English midfield uh, and, and as G said the possession was with Italy and the ball was mostly on England's uh, defensive third most of the game and it was just a matter of time before they scored I wouldn't have guessed it would have been a set piece where Benucci kind of cleans up, cleans up the uh, the the corner kick there. But they got one eventually. Um, and what was interesting to see was during extra time when Chiesa went down, the attack of Italy was just non-existent. And I, I actually thought that England, with the subs they made with Grealish and Socket, that they could maybe steal one uh, during extra time, but. Once he got to penalties, Southgate definitely messed that up. You bring in the two Man U boys and Sancho and Rashford, who barely played, as G said, and you could just see it in their eyes before they even took it. They they did not look confident, and there was a lot of skepticism and doubt when they took those penalty t- uh, kicks, and and it ended up costing it. And um, Donnarumma, he he definitely deserved the player of the tournament. He. He showed up when his team needed him and just showed his big balls and big Italian balls and won it for them. So Big Italian um, balls. Yeah. So, I mean, all analysis aside, fuck England. Um, their fans are the worst. Um, <laughs> it's not coming home because it's never been home, and thank God it's coming to Rome because mm-hmm. Italy played an outstanding tournament. Um, I mean, that back line of Benucci and uh, Chiellini um two old fossils but they got the job done um and i'm honestly excited to see what they do um for the world cup coming up they have a good team they have some young players um and they'll be a force to be reckoned with uh out with the old and in with the new yeah. this, this team is the new breed of italian soccer italian football sorry and um with england this is going to be tough yeah. they have good players but with Saka, uh, Sancho, and Rashford missing, they're all relatively young. That's going to sting with them for a while. Let's see if they can kind of bounce back. You had great performances during the tournament from Luke Shaw. Uh, Kyle Walker looks like he's rejuvenated. And that back three of John Stones, Harry Maguire, and Kyle Walker, they looked pretty much impenetrable until this game. So England, you guys suck, but promising future. We'll see if you can finally win something for once. Well, and it just seemed like uh, England's whole game plan was 
we're going to wait for a counter, lob it to Raheem Sterling, and hope to God that he can make a breakaway. But Italy was like, well, we'll just triple him. <laughs> and then you got, and I mean, even it was kind of, it's Raheem Sterling's always had crazy cardio. Like, even in extra minutes, this guy was still sprinting with, and he looked like he was fresh legs. But as soon as that goal happened, obviously early goals, you know, call them lucky or whatever you want. But after that goal, it seemed for about 10 minutes, both teams were playing very frantic. Like, I think their their adrenaline was going, being down 1-0. And a lot of people thought this game was going to be scoreless going to PKs. Um, just because both teams are, they both have pretty good defenses. Obviously, Italy is known a lot more for their defense. Um, and to G's credit, Italy did look just more like like they've been there, essentially. Like, they look like calmer as the game went on. And that, to me, kind of comes down to uh, the managers. I think Italy, obviously, yeah, I'm a bigger fan of Italy's manager being able to kind of work with the players and get them to where they need to be. But it, the, the shitty thing is about Italy 1 is Jordan Pickford's save before the final Italy save. It was a great save. It was a clutch save. But then, <laughs> and then it just got completely outshined. Um, and it, everyone loves when it comes down to penalties. Um, it would have been cool for like a heroic goal, right? But PKs are always one of those. The goalkeeper did nothing to get there, but now it's up to him to save the game. And uh, once again, I believe it was uh, it was either G or KB that brought up. Uh, the, it was going back to the managers. I don't know how you put in guys that haven't touched the field. Um, and to have a 19-year-old be your anchor who doesn't have a whole lot of playtime, that guy's adrenaline has to be shoot. And you, even though he's a professional, you don't put a 19-year-old kid in that position. You really don't. Um, I think that's going to come back and haunt them a little bit. And I feel for that kid, man. 19 years old, the entire tournament in your hands, and this is what happens. But it is what it is, man. That's the way of I the mean, game. Yeah, it sucks that he's getting all the flack because – because he took the last penalty, but Socket, he actually got minutes during the tournament. And he played pretty well leading up to the the PKs. Um, putting in Sancho and Rashford was inexcusable. They haven't played any minutes during the tournament, um, and they they missed their penalties just as bad as uh, Socket did. So um, again, this is this, Rashford is worse. yeah. Rashford was it hits the post. He had a wide open net. That was uh, crazy is... to me that he missed that. I, yeah. I couldn't believe that. It's not uh, even like he put heat on it either. <laughs> and no one's talking about it either. It's only well, people have a sh- people have a short memory, man. They only care about the last yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Trust me, I watch Man United games. He's he's actually a great penalty uh, shot kicker, but he did the right thing and he waited for Donna Ruin to move and he picked right. He just missed the shot because. You can see there was nerves. He, he he pretty much stopped his leg before he actually hit the ball. So, um, I mean, that's the reason why he, he missed it. And honestly, it's it sucks because I think that England, their defense was probably playing better up to the point than Italy. They only allowed one goal in the entire tournament before this game, uh, which was a free kick against Denmark. And I know there's a lot of heat on Harry Kane. G would attest to that. Um, I also think that's it's it's a byproduct of Southgate playing him as more of an attacking midfielder and trying to set up Mason Mount and Raheem Sterling on those runs when he should should be playing you know a regular striker position being set up by um, Mason Mount and Raheem Sterling so um, he was forced to play more more of the ball and not his his traditional striker position so that's why 
I feel like Harry Kane didn't produce as many England fans and football fans generally wanted to see him. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, if they ended up losing and Harry Kane, he, he didn't show up when when his team needed him. So I, I cannot wait for the World Cup, man. Seeing all those oh, yeah. fans and hearing all those fans today, the electricity that was back in that stadium, anytime a nice... Dude, even like a little touch, like a little finesse touch, and you just hear the crowd go, I miss that, man. And I cannot, the World Cup is going to be insane. Yeah. Can't I'm wait also it. super excited for that. It's going to be a fun time. To be fair. Yeah. To be fair, though, Harry Kane didn't play bad. Like, his hold-up runs were good. His passing was really good. But, like... Uh, KB said he was playing too, too deep. He wasn't playing like his typical up top. I'm gonna do this myself type plays like he does in Tottenham, and he just it just wasn't right for him. But like what I saw was after halftime, Italy came out and just dominated. And I think that's a big reason, a big part of the fact that. The experience they have, the experience Benucci, Chiellini have, and England doesn't have that. England doesn't have those old guys, old veteran guys who've been there. Like they both have over a hundred international caps. They both have played Champions League finals. They've played Euro finals before. They've been there, done that. But England, they, they're a really young team. So I think. In the locker room at halftime, you know, Chiellini was probably very animated. Benucci was very animated and rallied his team. And at, you could just tell the way they came out at halftime that a goal was coming. The way they were playing, the way they were passing, you could tell that it was coming. So I, if I was, that's why if I was a manager for an international team, you need a mix of young guys and veterans for that reason alone. And I think that's where Italy had an advantage. And you saw the goal was coming. And in extra time, they played well to keep – both teams played well to keep the other team from scoring. Like, as Kibi said, when Chiesa went down, Chiesa was pretty much um, the one good attacker we had the whole game. <laughs> Because he was always, always running, always taking on defenders. Once he went down, the attack kind of slowed. But the defense did enough to push it to penalties. And that's where our experience came in. And I think that's why we won. Yeah, and if you're England, no excuses. You had all of your tournament games minus one at Wembley with all your fans. Uh, this was set up for an English, English victory. And um, unfortunately, they lost. And they lost in literally the shittiest way possible with with literally the cup at their fingertips and and they lose it so um one goal difference man literally a one one pk difference yep yep yeah, sucks so sucks sucks it's coming to rome, uh, it's, coming to rome. Yeah. it's coming to rome it's man to rome. it's coming to rome we love i just wish i was able to watch gg no re yeah oh don't you guys yeah. Don't you guys agree that this tournament was this was a well played tournament and they got a lot of eyes. Um yeah. More so than a traditional Euro or 
um, like a Copa America. Just, I think there were a lot of uh, just casual viewers watching this tournament, which I think it's good for the sport. And I think it's good for European football because that's, that's top class. That's, that's where the fans are the craziest. That's where the, the competition is the most elite European football is uh, no joke. So um, yeah, I'm baby. glad, I'm glad that at least, at least in the States, they got a lot of eyes and a lot of people watching it. I was gonna Dude, bring could you imagine? Game, could you imagine if soccer was the biggest sport in the U.S.? Like, imagine LeBron James as a forward. <laughs> <laughs> if if soccer was the most popular sport here, like it is in, we would have to be dominant. We, we would, would have be to, yeah. the best in the world, and it's not even close. Like the athletes we have here are nuts, dude. We have the best athletes in the world, but none of them play soccer. No, like not from even a, and from a young yeah. age either. Like yeah. it's it's and a that's why what, you guys are bad at soccer. It is. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> yeah. why. I mean, what yeah. do kids grow up watching? No, football, most people basketball, don't baseball. Yeah, which is why they're like, I want to be them. So that's what they play yeah. their whole life, and it's just like it's an extreme disadvantage. I don't really see it ever changing, unfortunately, at least not in the near future. But yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing, KB. Usually, I don't see as many casual fans just talking about or tweeting about soccer unless it's World Cup time. Um, right. And this felt like the last World Cup to me, where I was like, oh, okay, there's a bunch of people interested now just because it's a World Cup. But that was just for the Euro. So I'm really excited to see 2022, what what it looks like in America as far as the the hype around the World Cup. Because if it's... If, if if it's growing, then, you know, we'll be able to tell. And I think that that's really awesome because it's damn fun to watch. Right, right. And you know what? We have good players coming up. Um, that old shitty team that didn't make the World Cup in, was it, 2018? That yeah. lost in the that yep. Those guys are gone. We have we have new players. We have players who are playing Young in Europe. blood. Yeah. So it'll be exciting to watch them in 2022. I agree. Um, yeah, super excited. Did you guys know the Gold Cup started today? Yeah. No. Yes. Exactly. We're playing our – we're pretty much putting out our B team. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, there's not just not much people watching. We put out this B team shit, and we're playing shitty competition. So, um, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> Did you see? Did you guys see that Team USA lost to Nigeria in yeah. uh, basketball? Yeah. How crazy yeah. is that, man? Oh yeah. boy! Oh, by that much too. By three, it was yeah, three points. points. But still losing in general. Like I'd be surprised if they won by like single digits. I'd be like, really? Usually when Team USA is playing another country, they're just <laughs> duking all over them. So I was like, hey, good I for Nigeria, too. man. Good yeah. for I mean, Nigeria. Props. Nigeria, yo, not for nothing, taking over sports, the UFC. Think about the the stars they got in the UFC right now and then beating Team USA in basketball. But props to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of UFC, you guys want to talk about 264? Yeah. Do it. Let's do it. Sad. Uh, Uh, Yeah, do you guys want to go with the main event or the fights you guys like before that or – uh, let's start with the main event. Let's start with uh, Poirier McGregor. All right. Um, personally, I I had Conor McGregor. I think Taryn had McGregor as well. Did you guys have McGregor? I also no. had McGregor. I, I had Poirier. Did not. I had Dustin Poirier. Yep. 
I was texting Taryn before the fight started. I was giving him like all the reasons why I'm taking McGregor. Um, I mean, on top of him being plus money against Poirier, I thought that he came into that second fight without any discipline, without any focus, and he he looked like a different Conor coming into this match, a matchup yeah. against Dustin. He looked um, hungry. Mm-hmm. Even up to we were texting each other even up before the actual fight, like during the walkouts, that Conor looked pretty. He looked pretty focused, laser focused. Like Dialed he had, to, he he had something to prove. This is a legacy fight for him, without a doubt. Um, and you know what? After watching that, I mean, that just proves Dustin is the real deal. He is one of the best MMA fighters in the world. Um, Connor came out guns blazing. He threw a couple calf kicks, um, and it looked like they were hard calf kicks. But um, according to Dustin. He checked one of those, and that ended up fucking up Connor's leg because after their little scramble um, on the ground, when he got up and he tried to throw a punch, he lands on his ankle, and that thing, that thing fractures and breaks, and it looks disgusting. Yeah. I couldn't watch that replay. Um, and you know what? I, w- I was saying to this uh, to Dilly earlier, you don't break your ankle just by landing on it without something happening to it first. So I believe Dustin, I think he checked one of those kicks, and – he got, he had his leg fractured even before he got up um, from from the ground and pound that Dustin was giving him. Um, it would have been interesting if Connor could have finished him with a guillotine, but Dustin's too good for that. He'll, he'll defend that. So um, in the end, Dustin wins. Connor, he's got some soul searching to do. I feel like um, you don't you don't recover from that loss, and with that ankle injury, he's going to be out a couple months. I don't know where he goes from here, but with Dustin, the next fight he takes is with Oliveira. Has to be for for, for the belt. So, I think he beats Oliveira. Yeah, Dustin. yeah, I think he beats him pretty handily too. So, um, apparently, th- this might not be the end of the Poirier McGregor saga. I mean, you guys saw that the post post match interviews. Yeah, what do you guys I, think about that? Yeah, yeah I no. saw a lot of people saying that Connor's done, like he's never stepping in an octagon, which I. Y- that guy's that guy lives and breathes fighting. Like it, it it's gonna take a while. Obviously, this is a long recovery for him. Not only does he have to heal up, but then he has to get back in fight shape. Um, I don't know who he fights next. He's on a bit of a losing streak, so he's probably he's not gonna be obviously fight. Even though it's Conor McGregor, he's not fighting a top five guy right away. You know, um, I think he's gonna have to fight at least someone top ten before he can get back in. Because obviously he wants a shot at the belt, right? Like it's Conor McGregor, he wants to go all the way back up. Um, the shitty—it's just like it was so disappointing how the fight ended. I mean, whether he check kicked and broke it or not, whether it was a freak accident, I'm sure we'll know a little later on what actually happened. It's just no one wanted to see that, right? Like you want to see who the better fighter is. Um, Conor was getting the shit kicked out of him, but he was also—he seemed—he was still trying to fight back. He was still conscious. He was still able to fight. Um, who knows? In round two, Poirier used a lot of energy in that first round. Who's to say he doesn't get gassed out in the second round and Connor doesn't have something for him? Um, but we'll never know, right? It's going to be the the fight of what ifs. What if this happened? What if that happened? But they got to, I think they fight again, but it's, and I think Connor can bug Dustin enough to where <laughs> Dustin takes that fight to shut him up, you know? But I do not think this is the last we've seen of Conor McGregor in the UFC. 
No, certainly not. I, mm-hmm. I never like I didn't even understand that either. I mean, this is, <laughs> the p- people are saying that he's done literally after seeing him on the ground, legs snapped, and still like. Your wife sent me fucking DMs. <laughs> Come on, this man's not done fighting. Yeah. Get that shit out of here. You're crazy. He's not done. I don't know. <laughs> it's. It, I, I agree. It was such a shame. I'm a huge Connor fan. Um, but like, just regardless for entertainment purposes, no one wanted to see it end like that. And I know that he was kind of getting the shit kicked out of him at the very end of the round. But he had a really solid start to the round. And if he, you know stays on his feet instead of trying to drop with that guillotine who knows if he he could even won that round so like i i don't think also it's completely fair to say that like he had no shot in the fight either so you know it's it's tough it sucks especially like he's also not a young spring chicken he's 32 years old and that that injury is it's extreme injury i mean we all saw it I don't think he's done, but who who knows like what the state of that division will be when by the time he's ready? Who knows where he's going to be at injury wise if he can ever fully bounce back? We'll see. Yeah. Did you have something and to say, G? He, yeah, I was just gonna say I have Dustin pre-fight just because well Dustin every fight he's in that guy's a dog like it will scrap he'll throw with anyone it doesn't matter the heart on this guy is ridiculous and like kb said i think he gets Oliver next when connor comes back i think there's three guys that he gets one of three he either gets i think he gets either mike chandler he gets dan hooker or he gets justin gaethje and if he beats that guy and poirier wins the belt Gonna be Connor Poirier four for the belt when they come back. I think that's how I see it playing out. I think they'll make that fight even if he only Connor only wins one more, just because it's Connor and Dana White loves money, and Connor <laughs> yeah. Poirier four for the belt will just bring in so much money. So that's how I see it playing out. Yeah, yeah. with with Connor. With the with the name recognition, he's gonna get any fight he wants, regardless of ranking. And with with the punching power he has, he has knockout power. Um, I agree with Terry to say that he had no shot. That's not true because um, Connor can knock people out. Just Dustin has a chin, and he's he's too damn experienced. He yeah. he's on the top of his game right now for sure. Of course, yeah. I, like I was watching here with my friends that came over, and Connor was looking good that first round. I thought he had him with a guillotine. I thought he was going to finish it right there. But, you know, Dustin was able to turn it, hit him. Yo, he was rocking Connor. Then, you know, unfortunately what happened happened, you know. But that's just UFC. You, you don't – you can expect anything to happen. Unfortunately, like Greg Hardy getting knocked the fuck out. He got knocked cold. <laughs> I just said the world deal. You mentioned it earlier when we were watching the Bucks game. Just the world – Celebrating him getting yeah. his ass knocked out. Yeah, you yeah. I don't think everyone yeah. was happy. And that guy, well, Ty uh, Tuavasa, I think that's yes. how you say it. Ty um, Tuavasa, I think. Dude, Tuavasa, yeah. That that guy's post game interview was <laughs> electric. Yo, so, so was his walkout though. 
dude i'm not the bloke you want to bang with like this guy i think this guy drank five beers before he even made it back to the locker room um the the, the fight card was good man like i mean i'm one of the, the more impressive ones was uh when sean o'malley fought that uh chris montino or yeah. montino however you say it um uh, that guy's chin might be one of the toughest chins i've ever seen in my life he his face looked like it had been through a blunder by the time they called that fight off. And KB was, me and KB were talking earlier that it probably was a good thing that Herb called off the fight because he wasn't going to win the fight. The only thing that was going to happen is he was going to get more brand damage. He was probably already has CTE from one fight. Um, and I was telling KB, I'm a little impressed because we've seen Sean O'Malley lay people the fuck out. That guy has knockout power. And you could even tell with some of the like the haymakers that he was throwing, he almost looked a little frustrated that he wasn't laying them out. Um, and he was on his back foot the entire time. So I, I was also talking to KB that Sean O'Malley hasn't really fought anyone super impressive. So whenever he's going to actually get a shot, he's got to be able to get a shot at the guy in the top 10 at this point. He's 14 and one. Um, so who that's going to be, who knows? I mean, he's clearly trying to do the Conor McGregor approach of being a showman as well as a fighter. Um, but once he starts fighting guys that actually have the ability to beat him back, like we've never seen Sean O'Malley get a beating, you know? He usually ends guys pretty quick. So I'm curious to see if he can actually take a good beating. I'm sure he can. Yeah. Um, I, I've just, we've never seen it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Moutinho was a fill-in for the, for the fight. What O'Malley was saying post-match interview, no one wanted to take this fight on short notice because it is Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, but now, he, yeah, he undoubtedly deserves another crack at someone in the top 15, top 10. His only loss was to Cheeto Vera, and he broke his foot in the first round. So um, that's why he got knocked out. But, um, yeah, I think that he either deserves another Cheeto rematch or, the, I mean, he was calling out Cody Nolove and Dom Cruz and Peter Yan, actually. So. I don't know yeah. if he gets the Yan fight or the, the no-love fight, but I think a Dom fight would be pretty interesting. Um, a former champion and Dominic Cruz is, you know, he, he he's he's no walk in the park either. So um, that or a rematch with Cheeto and, you know, just kind of build up his ranking and build up his, his uh, popularity. I mean, everyone wants to see Sean O'Malley, and he was on the main card for a reason. He's, he's a showman, as Dilly said, and I, I'm excited to see – his next fight and if you know can he go three rounds um he did look gassed here even when he was throwing all those those strikes he looked gassed even when Moutinho wasn't throwing anything so I'm interested to see if he can hold up on a three-round fight and take the damage and still throw with that much volume and that much ferocity um it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he can you know season himself into a a, a, a top-class fighter yeah sugar, sugar is a he's a showman like you saw during this fight like the whole time, he was just acting like he was playing basketball while he just throwing haymakers <laughs> at this guy. And this guy has a chin. He was getting popped left and right. And Sugar, he he's very accurate with his punches. You know, 230 total strikes last night, which is insane. And the thing that Matino was, was just eating him the whole time. That just goes to show you what kind of, like, chin this guy has. But not only that, his heart. You know, that fight that fighter in him. And, you know, hopefully he gets another crack at it. But it kinda of looked like he was scared. You know, finally under the big lights. 
But, you know, props to him for showing up and taking the fight on short notice. Yeah, the taking the fight balls, on man. 11 days notice, man, against, I mean, like I said, 11 days notice against a guy who just knocks people out. That's, granted, he was training for a fight, just not this fight. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. He he's just so fun to watch. Like my only concern is that there are a couple of guys that are like that, and I think he's a little different. But like, no love comes to mind. Um, Jorge Masvidal comes to mind. Where like they're super fun to watch and and skilled, but sometimes when you really put them up against like the class of the class, they just don't hold up. You know what right. I mean? So right. it's it'll be interesting to see. I agree with you guys. Um, uh, seeing who he's going to fight next, and if it's you know someone really noteworthy as he finds up in the rankings. But do you guys have anything else to say about the card? Also, the shout out to Irene. Irene, <laughs> Irene with the dove. Irene even though Yana. she came in over, she came in overweight, but she, she just did. literally destroyed Yana. She did. Um, put on for Guadalajara, Jalisco. Yeah. So. Um. Last fight uh, I wanted to go one time. Yes, sir. I wanted to touch on one fight: Gilbert Burns and uh, Wonder Boy Thompson. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yep. I mean, all the bookmakers had Wonder Boy Thompson winning this, and you know he he's a he's an entertaining fighter. But Gilbert, you can boo him all you want. He he's he's legit, and um, he can bring people anyone down, and he'll wrestle the shit out of you. So, um, not the most entertaining fight, but. He is legit, and he did the right thing calling out the likes of uh, Jorge Masvidal because with Gilbert, you want to get that bag, and Masvidal is a money fight. I don't see him getting another rematch with uh, Kamaru anytime soon. I think Kamaru and Kobe are going to be fighting men. Um, but if Gilbert gets either one of Leon Edwards or Jorge Masvidal, he's going to get paid. It's going to be a big fight. Um, and, you know, right now, it sucks, but I don't think anyone's beating Usman. If if Gilbert is what is the top of the class in the welterweight division, Usman has his number. Yeah. Um, so I think Kamara is going to be holding on to that belt for a long time. So. Yo, also, Usman's just a scary fighter, dude. <laughs> like, he looks like he's going to war. <laughs> and also, like, we we're putting in the group chat during the whole card during this fight. Taryn, I think it was Taryn that said it. He goes, yo. Wonder Boy is such a fucking stupid nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's 38, bro. He yeah. ain't a boy anymore. He's a grown-ass man. Wonder Man. Were you say something, G? No, I was just going to agree because I don't see Burns because well, Usman Covington, too, is going gonna, is gonna to happen. I think after Covington, I think Edwards most likely has the shot. So I think Masvidal versus Burns is probably the fight to make. He also called on Nate Diaz, which would be interesting because, you know, Nate Diaz just brings in viewers no matter what, no matter who he's fighting, no matter what weight class. Nate Diaz is just loved by everyone. So I, those are probably the two because I, I think Edwards is now just going to wait for his title shot. But again, I don't see any of these guys really beating Usman. Usman is just he's just too good. Yeah. It's just he has no holes really. Has no holes. Bro, if you're a fucking Nate Diaz, you get called out by Leon Edwards. 
the number three ranked fighter in, in the welterweight rankings, and then Gilbert Burns, the number two guy, calls you out too. Nate Diaz is just going to be like, fucking, let's go. Let's fucking, let's wrap money him up. Time, let's go baby. in there. Yeah. Give, me, give me my money. I'm just going to fucking fight. I'm going to entertain the people. I don't, he doesn't care about winning or losing. It's just, he's going to put on a fight. And the fact that these top guys are calling him out, I think that's fucking hilarious because, um, you know, it's not about, it's not about, you know, going for the belt at this point. It's just, you know, getting your bag. And, and we didn't even mention, like, the, the crowd at the UFC 264 was absolutely electric. Yeah. Um, yeah. But most during the interview, usually are, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all the stars were out there. You saw literally the whole fucking Cleveland Browns out there with uh, Baker and Njoku, uh, Hooper, OBJ. And then the great Megan Fox was there. Great girl. Yes. Uh, yeah. Justin girl. Bieber, Machine Gun Kelly, Donald Trump. It was yeah, yeah, Donald. the crowd. Hey, dude, it's Vegas. Like, yeah. literally, <laughs> it's going to bring in all walks of life, man. Yeah. Also, going back to, like, mm-hmm. Diaz. Do y'all see a trilogy fight happening with McGregor and Diaz? Or do you think they're they're done? That like, that might be the fight. Because I feel that like that's going to be the next comes move back to McGregor. To that would probably be the fight that he comes back to. I mean, Diaz will take it. <laughs> I don't think Diaz would say no. Uh, they both take it. The, the amount of money they'll get, come on. The, the building cool they Diaz, would have, too. Yeah. And Diaz can take a beating, bro. Come back and... Yeah. That's the biggest money fight he can come back and get instantly. Like, the Poirier, he's not going to get instantly. That's the biggest one he can get instantly. I think part of me thinks that Poirier is turning into the McGregor of the UFC. I mean, he told, he legit told the whole crowd to, to kiss his asshole or whatever. Yeah. The whole, yeah. The whole. yeah, kiss his whole asshole. So, I mean, that yeah. I love, I, I love how like unedited the post match interviews are and like fucking they're just yo the whole when the, ca- when, the, when the camera went to McGregor and Joe Rogan. Me and my friends were just dying laughing because you just see Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe yeah, Rogan right there sitting next to him. He was posted up in a weird spot with McGregor, man, just up against the fence. I mean, I don't, so- he couldn't really get in a different spot, but it just like I, it's so weird. I <laughs> didn't expect McGregor to have there. an interview. He's just sitting there, legs snapped in a fucking corner with a bag of ice from the soda machine. <laughs> like, <laughs> what I was wondering is like, with most of those injuries, like there's a, a sense of shock that hits some of the athletes. Like, uh, some people like don't handle that pretty well. And he was just sitting there taking a fucking interview from Joe Rogan with his leg snapped. Yeah, That's crazy. he still wanted to fight, bro. He was trying to go out back. Yeah, and fight. <laughs> he's a different breed, bro. Though there's a lot that'll be similar, a lot that'll imitate. It'll be a long time before we see a motherfucker like him again. Because yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's insane, and you could tell that it hurt. Every once in a while, either before or after, you could see when they pan the camera down. Ah, he's just like, ah! ah. Just like yelling. Like, <laughs> that, was shit was, that shit was hurting, but number one priority was fucking just talking shit and just, just being himself. Yeah. And, man, I love it. It was it was a shame that it ended that way, but yeah, man. what are you going to do? Crazy shit happens sometimes. Alrighty, shall we do some, uh, pretty much the last sport that is going to be, uh, that's like, Man, we're, a lot of things coming to a close. Euro's done, Copa's done, NHL's done, um, NBA's coming to a close. Um, well, 
Wimbledon's done. I can't even watch tennis anymore. Wimbledon's done. Um, but we do have the MLB going into the All-Star break. Um, KB, I know you had some some stuff to talk about. How, how are you feeling about the about everything? All-Stars were announced. Surprises, snubs. What do we got? Um, you know what? I can't even say there are any snubs at this point because I don't know if you guys have been keeping track, but there's already been 12 players who are either injured or have opted out of just playing the game yeah. entirely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, if there were snubs, they're already in the game. At this point, they're just, they're scrapping for players, which is um, it it it's weird because um, obviously, like the All Star Games kind of just lost its importance. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I I love the fact that what MLB did before was they had the All Star Game decide home field advantage in the World Series. Yep. Um, uh, I know some people think that making the All Star Game worth anything is the wrong move, but I thought it brought some intrigue to the to the game. I don't know about you guys. What do you guys think? It makes the players actually play. Like, yep. they're competing. It's it's kind of that thing where uh, if you've already locked up a playoff game in sports, but you you know the guy on the other team, you're going to play harder. You know, like, there's a little added bonus. I know a lot of people, I think it's people that were more uh, casual fans, didn't really like the aspect of that game deciding it. But it actually makes the game... Could you imagine if that was the NFL... If the, the if the, like oh we don't have a designated Super Bowl whoever wins the, the, the Pro uh, Bowl play, yeah the Pro Bowl <laughs> that's that's who side the Super Bowl is getting played yeah. at can you imagine if it was like that Jesus there wouldn't be no two handed touch people would be getting laid out <laughs> yeah <laughs> nah, you man. think you you think if uh, say that was that was the, the model that the NFL adopted do you think the Super Bowl would have went different if it was played in KC. Listen, I think if I think if those guys decided to catch a few balls and help Patrick Mahomes out, that <laughs> it would have went different. I mean, that that was also uh, that was Tom Brady's game, man. Like that was him proving he doesn't need Belichick to win. Uh, th- that Super Bowl was nuts. He had Patrick Mahomes running around like a chicken with his head off. He had no help on that and like i said we watched uh i f- believe it was either the running i think it was one of the running backs off the chiefs dropped a wide open it hit him in the face in the oh, end zone um, it, i don't think it was clyde i don't no. think it was clyde was it, it might have been no. will uh daryl no. williams. williams daryl williams he literally dropped it hit him in the face wide open in the end zone like there was shit like that that didn't help out but who gives a shit about tom brady am i right <laughs> so does that mean you're not excited for the all-star game kb uh i'm excited um no it's a lie i'm not excited <laughs> dude home um, run derby it's all about the at, home run derby at the, yeah at this point you have the home run derby that's adopted like a, a bracket style um they're doing just like this one-on-one thing and then um uh, with the all-star game I think most teams are just hoping, praying to God that none of the guys get injured. So um, it's turned into that. Um, and with the tra- trade deadline coming up at the end of the month, um, you know, there's a lot to be decided with some some of these teams who are, who are deciding if they want to go go for it this postseason. Um, What's yeah, like the biggest means- move you could see happening? Like realistically, like one or two big, huge moves that you can see trade max scherzer Um, yep yeah so one of yeah a couple things i'd like to see 
which pitchers go where. Um, there's always a need for pitching, um, especially with the Padres and um, the Astros could use some help as well. Um, Fuck the Astros. It, it, Fuck are, the Astros. Are, are, are any of these teams willing to, you know, break the bank and unload the farm to get someone like Max Scherzer, who's, you know, he he's coming up on the twilight of his career, but he's still he's still an all star and he's still throwing. Yeah, so um, you have Max Scherzer, and then obviously with the Cubs, I, I'm, it fucking pains me to say it, but after that 11 game losing streak, it, it's time to sell. So um, you have the likes of Craig Kimbrell, uh, Chris Bryan on the market, like. At the Cubs fan in me wants to make sure that we get something. We get a decent haul for these guys. I would hate to see uh, the Cubs sell for dog shit for these guys. Um, but again, it's just a matter of these teams. Are they willing to go all in to get a Chris Bryant, who's a generational talent? Are they willing to go all in for that lockdown closer that you need at the end of the at the playoffs in Craig Kimbrell? Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I think in the next week, the next two weeks, we'll we'll see who really is going for everything this year. Um, not the Angels. And, <laughs> yeah, not the Angels for Definitely sure. The angels. Speaking of the Angels, one of Don't probably know. probably the biggest story I I feel like of the MLB so far this this season, uh, Shohei Otani, MVP or not? It has to be. I feel like it's between him and Jake DeGrom. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, the, the, the crazy thing is, is it's a two-way player. Yeah. How often do you see two-way players that are that dominant hitting? Um, also, good morning, is, you know, they have, uh, they have AL and NL MVPs, so you can have <laughs> both of them win. That's true. Well, the crazy thing is, is we this is the third year we've had Otani, and he was hurt the first two years, and that was the major issue with taking him on is – when we signed him, he initially had to get surgery, so he was out that year. And then last year, he had a leg injury. And so he's finally healthy, and he's fucking raking. I saw that he doesn't take batting practice, which is crazy, <laughs> because the guy just goes yard on everybody. Um, it It's also a shame, because much like Mike Trout, he's just going to waste his career on the Angels. We have two MVP-caliber players on the Angels, and we're in fourth place. No pitching whatsoever. The, dude, I, the Angels franchise has been a joke for the longest time. Because speaking of selling the farm, we trade away everybody and anybody. We are still paying Josh Hamilton's contract, bro. Like, we, we it is a joke of a franchise, and it pains me. I haven't because heard that name as in so long. Yeah, well, trust me, you would if you were still paying him. Fuck him. <laughs> but it, it's just, it's crazy, man. I feel like we, we get these, like, studs, and then we just do nothing. Because we have the cheaters like the Astros in our division. It's just it's true. Yikes. Oh, man, I don't know. It's cool. I, I think some guys, it's it's important for the MLB, which has, just by the numbers, been the last decade has not been kind to the MLB. And guys like Otani, guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., just like bringing eyes to the sport, uh, I, I think it's really important for them. Yeah, man, Otani's, Otani's playing out of his mind. At the play, he's batting two seventy nine on the year, which is insane. As a pitcher, as well, a pitcher, pitcher, yeah, pitcher, <laughs> thirty three home runs, seventy RBIs. I mean, the guy, the guy's insane. We're probably never going to see another person like Otani ever again. But it's so much fun watching him because you you feel like 
you have your eyes are locked on the screen whenever he's at the at the plate because you don't know when he's just going to unload one over over the fence. Isn't it crazy that he doesn't even take batting practice? Yeah, crazy. that's insane it's to me. Like, what? Going Dude, cold. speaking of Max Scherzer's and pitchers, did you guys see the Daniel Camarena from the Padres the other night? Yeah, yeah. He hit, yeah, hit a lead pitcher. First oh, career yeah. hit, grand slam off of Max Scherzer. Can, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me, dude? Yeah. Oof. Straight Scherzer to the Angels. Fine. Come on over. <laughs> also, man, um, get well soon out to Ronald Acuna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ACL. Man, that sucks. That's, that sucks. That guy's a stud, dude. Yeah, guys, guy played him and insane. him and Tatis. Those guys are the face of baseball, and it sucks to see him go down with the ACL. But yeah, best wishes to him. Hopefully, he recovers. Um, he's only twenty three. So, yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. silver lining, silver lining. The Braves, they're under five hundred. So, um, I. Tough to say if they were going to make a run in the second half, but I mean, yeah, def- definitely tough. Yeah. Yeah, well, better soon, man. More mm-hmm. wishes. Yeah, it's just uh, one of those things, man, with sports sometimes. Um, what are we at? Uh, what are we at time wise, Dilly? About 55 minutes. We could still talk yeah. about the NFL rookies. 55 minutes. Um, let me see. All right, cool. Yeah, let's just let's just run through real quick. We'll do that. Um, gotta <laughs> gotta figure out a way to get our get our NFL team or get our NFL in. So let's talk about some rookies. Uh, we can go through one by one. Give give a rookie on each side of the ball, one offensive, one defensive that you think is gonna make the biggest impact on on their new team. And G, let me, G, let's start with you. Well, from last week's episode, if you listened, my offensive guy should not be a surprise. I'm going Trey Lance, quarterback, San Francisco 49ers. I think he gets the start right out of the gate. I think he's just better than Jimmy Garoppolo is right now. And he's just so dynamic of a playmaker. He doesn't turn the ball over, at least he didn't in college. He's electric on his feet he's super athletic he's got a very strong arm and with the weapons that he has in Ayuk and Kittle and Debo they're all really good yak receivers which helps a rookie a lot with those like short throws so I think he's um, gonna make a huge impact on the Niners especially with their offensive line is not I wouldn't say it's not it's not terrible, but it's not like up there in the lead. So Jimmy Garoppolo is more of a stay in the pocket, throw it away guy. And Trey Lance is a guy that could escape the pocket, make some plays on his feet, keep the drive going, and I think that's gonna be really big help to the Niners offense. I got one I got one issue with that. My problem is when does he see the field? Because because I don't see him starting week one. It just very rarely happens unless it's a franchise that, you know, like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, because who who the hell Joe else Burrow, is there? Justin Herbert. And I'm not, not, not a Herbert. I'm not a yeah, exactly, not even Herbert. I, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo fan by any means, but he is 
certainly good enough to perhaps hold off a rookie a little bit. And if that team's healthy and Kyle Shanahan can get the offense going, how can you justify, if they're playing well, taking him out? That's my only issue. But I think once he steps on the field, you're right. I don't see them trading up as much as they did with him, him having sat out last year because the FCS, he played one game. The FCS didn't play until the spring. So he didn't get to play in the winter, or not in the winter, in the summer and fall. And so I don't think you trade as much as you do up for to number three for Trey Lance for him to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo because you know what Jimmy Garoppolo is. He's he's not going to be more than he has been. And I think you just need that fresh face and fresh fresh um fresh player on the field to just show why you, you need to prove why you took him at 3 in my opinion. And I think they'll see that he is better in training camp. And I think that's why he'll start week 1. Okay, so you think he starts in week one? Interesting. I hope so. I mean, that'd be more that's, fun for sure. That's just me projecting Nobody, that. I don't know. I don't know. I, well, based on what Kyle Shanahan said, he can't predict whether anyone will be alive tomorrow. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows what that guy's thinking? Okay, I got you. Got you. Well, give me, give me the guy uh, that you had for defense. Yeah, it's Micah Parsons. The the Cowboys defense was horrible last year. It was bad. And him alongside Jalen Smith is gonna be an insane partnership at linebacker. Um <clears throat> but he's so much more than a linebacker. Well he was at Penn State. He at Penn State he they rushed him off the edge when they needed him to. He drops into coverage. He did everything there. I think he's going to make a whole bunch of tackles. And I think he's just going to solidify that linebacker core next to Jalen Smith, which is obviously it's not going to make the defense good, but it's going to make it better. Well, it's hard to go get worse than they did last year, but I think it'll help a lot. And you drafted a linebacker that high. It's he's He was my number one defensive player in the class last year. I think he was a lot of people's number one defensive player. And yeah, I think just based on how bad that defense was last year, that it an addition of Michael Parsons goes a long way, just based on the type of player that he is and how versatile he is. Got you. Yeah, I like that. It's uh he's certainly special as my as my number one linebacker pretty handily. Um and up there just in terms of overall Defensive players. Um, Dilly, how about you, my good man? What what do we got? Give me a rookie that's going to make a big impact. So offensively, I was thinking Justin Fields up until about two minutes ago. Um, okay. I really, I'll just run through essentially who I, I picked Justin Fields because Andy Dalton isn't the ticket. Andy Dalton hasn't been the ticket in years. Um, Justin Fields is talented. You have a team that can win now. You have a solid, if not top five defense. You have Allen Robinson. He's a phenomenal wide receiver. Um, 
you have a good O-line, you're just missing the quarterback. And I think Justin Fields brings you the ability to pick up more downs than Andy Dalton. He's going to be able to extend more plays than Andy Dalton, um, especially in a division we don't know if Aaron Rodgers is playing in. Sorry, Taryn. Yes. Um, <laughs> if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing, it's between the Bears and... Okay. It's it's between the the Bears and the Vikings, and I think the Bears could be a better team than the Vikings. Um, but I actually switched it up, and I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. Um, I think the Falcons... <laughs> I think... Without Julio Jones, there's going to be a lot of catches to go around. Um, we've never seen Calvin Ridley. We've seen Calvin Ridley in some one-on-one coverage when Julio's hurt, but we've never seen Calvin Ridley have to be the main guy for the entire season. Um, obviously, Kyle Pitts was drafted. I believe he was the highest tight end ever drafted. Ever. Um, yep. f- fourth overall. The guy has insane athleticism he's gonna be a stud in the league they're gonna have to throw to somebody that's not named julio jones anymore and when calvin is getting doubled all team i think Kyle pitts is going to be open in the middle quite a bit i think it's going to be very similar to travis kelsey and tyree kill where when tyree kill isn't open who does he throw to travis kelsey i think it's gonna be very similar with kyle pitts unfortunately he has matt ryan as his quarterback who <laughs> We see Matt Ryan's either throwing for 304 or he's throwing for 301 touchdown. So the touchdowns might not be there, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Pitts has a thousand yard receiving this year. Oh man, before you give your defensive guy, I'll jump in because that was my offensive rookie as well. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm excited to watch the Falcons offense. I know a lot of people, including myself, have fallen into that trap before. But I, I really see it being different. Um, Arthur Smith coming over is something that, for God knows why, people just don't talk about very much. Um, and I, I do like Tannehill, but like, look what he did in Tennessee with really only one notable pass catcher. Calvin really can be his A.J. Brown. Um, and I would rather have Kyle Pitts as a second receiving option than Corey Davis. So yeah. I, I think that offense could be really fun. I think Matt Ryan is more than uh, capable of of running Arthur Smith's offense, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was pretty explosive. Definitely, like, a maybe a top-half offense in, in the league um, approaching on that top-ten spot. So I agree. I like that a lot. Um, They're definitely going to be playing from behind a lot, too. Well, then there's Falcons that. Yeah, defense. there's plenty of opportunities. The Falcons' defense is still atrocious. <laughs> They're still going to be losing by a lot. Um, go ahead, G. Uh, they also don't really have a running game. They didn't address that at all. Their starting running back right now is Mike Davis. And he just can't get it done. Oh, main Mike guy. Davis, I'm sorry, Mike Davis. You can you can come on the show if you want, but I, he's please just come not, on the show and tell me why you're top he's ten not receiver, a main top running, running back. back, Mike Davis. Uh, Dude, he's not even a third string running back. Uh, defensively though, yeah, defensively though, uh, I picked Jalen Phillips. Um, I think he's going to be a great impact for the Dolphins. I think it might have been the perfect scenario for him to go in. He's not going to be asked to do a lot but he's going to be able to fill in where he needs to be. He's going to be able to make plays. Um, Dolphins defense is going to be sneaky, really good this year. Um, 
I think just adding like a depth piece like that, it's going to help. He's definitely going to get playing time and be able to learn um, around this defense. Um, Brian Flores, we've seen him work with players uh, players before that turn him into studs. So I think I think he for me it was between him and um, oh my goodness, I just blanked uh, Michael Parsons. But uh, Michael Parsons is going to definitely be an immediate starter and get plenty of looks. But I just think the Dolphins' defense is going to be able to create more pressure, and he might be able to get more picks. So we'll see, though. But I have, I'm very – the Dolphins are going to be fun to watch, as much as I hate to say You're because be I have I have a financial good. investment on the Bills. The Dolphins are going to be fun to watch this year. Division-winning Miami, baby. Okay, I'm just going <laughs> to go real quick because me and you were on the same wavelength. That was – who I originally thought of and was going to do, but I was like, you know what? Let me talk about a team that's not the Dolphins for a change. Um, so for defense, I, I have a little bit of a weird one. I went with Caleb Farley. And now there's a good chance that he has to miss a lot of time because of that injury. And there's also a good chance that the injury affects him in such a way that he's not the same guy he was in college. Um, I like to think that these days with modern medicine and all that, you don't see that as much. So I think if he's able to get right and get on the field, he can get back to the prospect we saw, which for me was the best defensive player in college football. Um, and I think he, a healthy Caleb Farley that is on the field is going to be a huge impact for the Titans because they need it. They are they're going for it with the with the Julio trade. That's very clear. Um, and offensively, I think that's fine. That kind of salvaged them from losing Arthur Smith, who I mentioned earlier. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see how it works, but I, I do think Tano's good enough and they have the weapons to at least still be very good. The problem is that defense was already bad, and it just... It, it, they, they, they need something. There's no way, like... I think offense is a lot more important, but you got to at least be able to get a stop here and there. And the, the pass rush isn't good enough to, in my opinion, make up for their lack of coverage pieces. They need something. They need someone. So I think Caleb Farley coming in and being able to do that will be huge. He doesn't even have to be like a stud. He's just got to be at least good because that that's all I got. Um, and I think if the Titans want a shot at a ring this year, they need they need someone like him to come in and step up so the defense doesn't hold them back too much. He seems like a Vrabel guy too. You know what I mean? Like it seems like that was Vrabel's pick. <laughs> Vrabel wanted that guy. God, you know what? Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, Mike Vrabel did say he would, what he say he was cut his dick off for a Super Bowl or his balls. <laughs> yeah. What did he nah, say? Whole dick. Whole dick. So I mean, clearly he's yeah. got no problem risking it to get the biscuit. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I can totally see that. Alrighty, who hasn't got KB? You haven't gone. Give me who is your offensive rookie and why is it Justin Fields? Uh, because he is gonna be the quarterback for the yeah. Super Bowl winning Chicago. Oh Bears. boy! Uh, oh boy! Oh boy! Better put some um, money on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, everything aside, I think Justin Fields. He has. He has the support around him out of any of the rookie quarterbacks, I think, that, that, that'll help him succeed the most. Um, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, with the Jags, and Zach Wilson with the Jets. 
Um, they don't have the offensive weapons that the Bears have. Um, I don't think Mac Jones starts until maybe week seven or week eight and um, still up in the air with Trey Lance, but I think Justin Fields has all the tools he needs to succeed. Um, he's looked pretty good in training camp from what we've heard, um, and he just looks like the total package. So uh, Justin Fields, he's going to start sooner rather than later, I believe. Um, we were talking about this before the podcast. Depending on how the first two weeks go, I think they're going to have a short leash with uh, Andy Dalton, and they're definitely going to hear it from the Chicago media, Chicago fan base, to get him on the field sooner rather than later with the defense, as Dilly was saying. Um, so, yeah, Justin Fields, and he's plus 550 to win the offensive rookie of the year. So let's put a bet in for that. Um, if you guys go 2-0 and to start with Andy Dalton, that might be the worst-case <laughs> scenario for the Bears. I think I might throw up if we go 2-0 with yeah. Andy Dalton, honestly. So, yeah, tough to say, but, I mean, in the end, we want Justin Fields starting, and it's going to happen. Um, Andy Dalton knows that. Matt Nagy knows that. The entire city of Chicago knows that. It's just a matter of time. Um, Does Andy and then on the, know that? <laughs> oh, yeah, he um, on the defensive side of the ball, I am going with the chalk pick, the first defensive player I picked in the draft, J.C. Horn. Um, he is every bit of the lockdown corner that everyone says he is, and he's going to have every opportunity in Carolina. He'll be starting right away and against those top receivers in the NFC South, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas. Um, who am I missing? Um, why am I blanking on the last name? Uh, Atlanta, <laughs> Calvin fine. Ridley. Calvin Ridley, he's going to be going up against some of the best receivers in the league, and he's going to have every opportunity to to prove that he is a lockdown corner. Um, he's got Jeremy Chin behind him. He's got Dante Jackson uh, playing beside him, my quarterback with AJ Bouye. So a relatively young secondary, but J.C. Horn is the lead dog in that secondary, and I think he has a good year for the Panthers. Um, I think the last person is Chino. Do you have uh, anything to add? Any offensive players, defensive players to watch out for? Um, well, this sucks. Everyone took mine. <laughs> I had Justin Fields too because I feel like he's in the one of the best situations for offensive rookies. Y'all set him up. Great defense is behind him. Offensive line. He has good receivers. Finally, Rob Allen Robinson finally got the finally got a quarterback to throw to him. It's something he needs. I mean, they, they can make a good playoff run. You know, wouldn't be surprised. You know, they might. If they, they see the Yo, They could make a playoff run with Andy Dalton. He's the best quarterback they've had in the last five years. You're not wrong. Like, I don't understand really why no one talks about the Bears. Like, uh, Super Bowl Bears. MVP Nick Foles would have some. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. That's why they were like my far dark, dark horse if like Justin Fields comes onto the field. <laughs> Get it? It hurts. He comes onto the field. <laughs> he comes onto the. No, it's not going to matter because Aaron Rodgers is back and they're not going to win my division. I don't care. But they could make a wild card spot again. Um, they could do it with Andy Dalton. And if Justin Fields plays, they sure as hell could do it with him, too, because they did it with Mitch Trubisky multiple times, and they're both better than that guy. So Yeah, yeah, not wrong. Agree. Then, you know, I had to make a Parsons, but G took that one. And for the love of God, finally, the Cowboys got some help. 
on defense because last year they couldn't stop a thing. Probably still can't. They yeah, still you guys won't. are probably yeah. still going to get run through. <laughs> we're going to get run through. Seven Dak, of your starters are going to be rookies this year. Dak is going to have to go off for 400 yards every game. So nothing's new. But low-key, like, I also thought of this just now. Jalen Waddle for the Dolphins. Finally, Devontae Parker has some help, so he won't get all that one-on-one coverage. I feel like this will help Tua out a little bit. So I just feel like he's in a good situation. And yeah, I know Taryn has money on the Dolphins winning the division. So I feel like the addition of him definitely helps his chances out. Definitely helps the Dolphins. Absolutely. I would agree 100%. I feel so bad for Trevor Lawrence, man. (laughs) He's not in that bad of a spot. He has DJ Chark. Mm. I don't like you know what? The receivers could be worse. The whole line could be worse. He has the greatest tight end of all time. Tim Tebow with him. Oh, they have God on their side. <laughs> they do have God on their side. That's important. Tebow's That's going to show up with John three sixteen on his eye black first game. <laughs> <Yeah. one. laughs> oh, Time to be alive. Oh Lord. Alrighty. Well, I think that's everything. You guys got any uh anything to add before we close it out here? Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Absolutely. <laughs> Bucks and six, baby. Also, if y'all haven't already, go to the dump offs TikTok. And go see Taryn getting yelled at by so many people for taking everyone. Well, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Hope definitely... you don't like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I've been getting some heat on there for my 100% accurate Lamar Jackson takes. But, yeah, I was going to make sure yeah, I pointed you guys to the TikTok as well. We've been putting out a lot of stuff on there. Um, it's a lot of fun. And then it's that is at the dump off. It is at the dump off at – on all social media, um, and then you can find me at Taryn Caravella on all social media. Um, where can they find you guys, KB? KB Some Swag on Twitter. Uh, Dilly, you can find me at Dilly Slays on Twitter and Twitch. Uh, G, you can find me at Jonathan Martini on Instagram and G Martini on Twitter. Chino, and you can find me at iChino12 on Instagram. At Fettuccino12 on Twitter. <laughs> Shout out to Keith for giving me that nickname. I just ran with it. Come on the pod, right. Keith. Come on the pod, <laughs> Keith. Yeah, Keith, come on the pod. Alrighty, well, that's yeah, it for Keith. us. Um, you guys got anything else? We're good? No, that's it. Everyone oh, have a great week. Sweet. Let's wrap it up. We'll see you guys. We'll see y'all on Thursday.